0: Welcome to the Momentum Podcast. Our hope is to fill you with the light and life that are found in Jesus so you can shine in the world around you. A great next step if you'd like to grow in your faith is connecting to a community. We would love to help you connect at Momentum. For more information, visit MomentumSanDiego.com. Again, that's MomentumSanDiego.com. We hope you enjoy the message. All right, y'all doing good this new year? Everybody okay? You awake? You don't even have to be awake, okay? You can just be half asleep at this church. We will take you as you are. So, um, my goodness, there's so many cool things to talk about. So, number one, uh, new to Momentum, we have a welcome dinner, and, and my wife and I host a welcome dinner at our home, and we would love the opportunity to have you over for great food, to come hang out and to hear more about the church, to hear our story, and just to connect. If you're wondering, hey, I've been around this place, and how do I take that step and get in here and all that, that's the thing for you. You go to that welcome dinner. We'd love to have you over. You can sign up on your app. You can sign up on your connection card. uh, Sign up wherever you'd like. Just come say, hey, I'm coming to dinner. You can invite yourself over, okay? Uh, We would love that. Two, you are gonna see community group t-shirts and signs and hear the word community groups over and over and over again this month. And and community groups Uh, are these groups, 10 to 12 people that you share life with. That's where we practice the one and others that are found in scripture. And listen, we want you in a group, not just because we can check that off our church box, but because we believe that being in a group will make your life better, your faith stronger, your family better. Uh, I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying that because I'm in a group and it has changed me, it shapes me and it helps me. So you can sign up in that groups form in your bulletin. And I got one more cool thing to tell you. We finished the year last year with our Bring Life Christmas Give. And and for those of you who don't know what that is, we just, at the end of the year, take up the biggest offering of the year, and then we give 100% of it away to causes that bless God's heart. And We changed it up. We didn't have this goal. We're going to try and get to this number. Instead, we wanted participation. Our goal this year was that everyone, middle school age and up, would participate by giving forty-seven, forty-seven to to the to the offering. And then uh, I think by our math, that came out to around twelve thousand dollars if everybody would participate. So we encourage participate. Please participate. uh, Jump in and do it. And so. We finished the year. We added everything up, and I'm pretty pumped to tell you we had twenty-two thousand two hundred forty and ninety-one, or two hundred. Holy Spirit, sorry. Twenty-two thousand two hundred forty dollars and ninety-one cents. Can you make noise for our God? Okay, there we go. I got possessed by the spirit of Porky Pig right there for a moment. Uh, so, so this this exceeded what we were going after. And so right now, our our team is going to get together, and we're just going to start analyzing the different projects and partners that we listed. And, and our promise is just to be faithful with every single penny of this. You guys were faithful in your giving, and so we're going to be faithful in the way that we bless our community with, with what's come in. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the series here is Pray First, and and this. This is also a little momentum tradition that I want to bring you into this year. Um, Pray first is simply this for us. So many people start their year with their goals. Hey Isaac, uh, Henry, we got something going on when I talk, so uh, pay no attention. Now that's all you're gonna be thinking about, but but it goes after I talk and it's dropping me. Sorry, I'm not OCD. Um, But here we go. Uh, So many people They put their life first. They put their goals first. They put what they want to accomplish first and be a part of first and what they're going to do first. And we've just watched. Over and over and over again, that road just doesn't lead to blessing. It doesn't lead to happiness. It doesn't lead to fulfillment. And so as a community, we've said, we're going to take the first week or weeks of the year. Instead of putting ourselves first, we're going to put God first. And to do that, we're going to pray first. That's actually on a slide. And, And I need you to help me out in 2020, okay? It's 2020. I don't have time to be preaching sermons by myself. I need your help from now on. So you just say these yellow words with me when I get to them, okay? We want to put God first, and to do that, we want to pray first. Okay, you were waiting for the cadence, okay? It was pray first. Let's try it again. We want to put God first, and to do that, we want to pray first, okay? And because it's a new year and a new series, and uh, there's so much going on in our nation right now, with 3,000 troops now heading overseas, with so much going on in our world, so many dreams and visions for this church, we are going to begin by praying Would you pray with me really quick? God and Father, um, I just pray that in our lives and in our hearts that you would take over this year. This year is for you. Our hearts are for you. Our desires are for you. God, we're just giving what is in front of us to you. Lord, in our nation, for the 3,000 going overseas, for those who are already there, for the situations that we're looking at, would your power, your heart, and your love just come bursting forth? God, protect those who are overseas and their families. God, protect our nation, protect our world. Bring it to peace, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna anchor this series in scripture this morning. We're gonna go to Luke 11. Now in Luke 11, the backstory is just incredible. I always like to picture the text and especially when it's a story like a movie and see what I would see if I was in the text or at the text. And if you were looking at the scene around Luke 11, 1, you would see Jesus off somewhere in a secluded area praying and then over here about some 20 feet 50 feet away you would see a group of about 12 16 to 18 year old boys called these disciples that Jesus had invited into his life and and they were his followers and and they never really quite got it right and they're often tripping over their own feet as they try and follow Jesus and, and mind you these are 16 to 18 year old blue-collar boys Boys. They were good at making fun of one another, like sixteen to eighteen-year-old blue-collar boys, and and so what you have is Jesus over there praying, and the group over here saying, "I'm not asking him; you ask him." No, I'm not. No. Hey, you go. I did it. You remember last, this? see, just a Luke 11, just a few chapters earlier, Jesus tells this parable, and he goes, there was this man sowing seed, and he throws some on the soil, and then there's some, and it goes over here, and it lands on the rocks, and there's some on the grass, and it happens, and the birds take the thing, and the disciples, who are Jesus's protégés, right? They're his, his, the cream of the crop. They're following him. They listen to the whole teaching, and none of them got it. So a little bit later, they're like, hey, um, sir, Lord, Rabbi, um, the seed, could you, do you mind the, it's eye rolling, it's like, okay, hang on. The seed is the gospel. The soil represents, and he just has to break it down for these fools. And so some time goes on, and, and, and Jesus is teaching the disciples. Yeah, they're walking with them, and, and they're watching, and they're watching them pray. And now a prayer question has arisen, and you could just see that the, these guys are sweating. I don't know who it is who draw the short straw that day, but one of them has to go over to Jesus and go, Lord, could you teach us to pray? Now, we give the disciples a hard time a lot of the time because they are pretty dense and they are pretty slow, but this is a very informed question. Here's why. The disciples are following Jesus, right? They have a front row seat. They are these Talmudin, which means followers. Jesus is a a master, he's a rabbi, and they are the apprentices. And they're going to follow him, they're going to be with him, become like him, and eventually do the things that he did. And so they're following Jesus, and they're watching the world change in real time. They're watching Jesus blur the lines between heaven and earth. They're seeing the miraculous happen. They're seeing that this power that resides in Jesus comes pouring out of him. And then all of a sudden they begin to notice there's this connection between these powerful things they see Jesus do and his secret life of prayer. They watch Jesus confound the educated and make humble the high and mighty and then they watch him go and pray. They see this young man with some fish and some loaves come walking up to Jesus. They see him take them and pray and then all of a sudden 5,000 people have lunch. And they begin to connect the dots between all of these things they admire in Jesus and his secret Quiet life of prayer. I'll share a few things. These are in your notes. We have these note sheets in your outlines, and you can fill in the blanks if you like to fill in notes, or you can just draw a picture if you like, you know. Um, but in the note sheet, I think it says this, they observed that private prayer leads to public power. See, some of the most impressive things that Jesus ever did was not simply miracles. It wasn't just walking on water and giving the blind back their sight and doing all of these things that were extraordinary and miraculous that captured people's attention. Some of the most impressive things we see Jesus do are these incredible displays of internal strength and courage. Jesus often walked into a room and was willing to say what no one wanted to hear. Go to John 8. There's this woman caught in the act of adultery. She's drugged through the streets with a crowd in tow, thrown at the feet of Jesus. The Pharisees and religious elites put Jesus in this bind and they say, hey, son of God, the law says we're supposed to kill her. You follow the law, right? What do you think we're supposed to do? That moment demanded a lot of Jesus. The wisdom, the courage. Have you ever had a whole current of expectation? People's expectations want you to be this thing, but you know deep in your soul you're supposed to be that thing. That's weighty. And Jesus steps into the stream with uncompromising courage and guts and boldness, wisdom, kindness, and power all at the same time. It came from prayer. Britt and I got this. We had a couple moments that have really shaped our prayer life together, and one of them was during the birth of our first child. I'm trying to put myself back there. Uh, Our oldest, she's seven. She's Lucy. She was a, uh, in church, we say a surprise from the Lord. Is is that, y'all, y'all get this? Not a mistake, but she was a surprise blessing from from the Lord. And, And she came at a time when I did not feel prepared, not spiritually, not emotionally, not, 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 Physically, I was nowhere near where I wanted to be when Lucy was born. I remember faking the smile when Britt tells me, hey, good news, I'm pregnant. Okay, great. Um, All right, we're going to work on this. And I remember uh, that lasted through nine months of pregnancy uh, until it was time for the delivery. And we were frightened. Frightened is an understatement. We didn't know what to do. And so we made this commitment together. What if we just pray?" I mean, it was the day where we have to go in and we said, what if we just pray? And so we prayed literally all of these micro moments from from the time, uh, the night before until Lucy was here and healthy. And so the night before, uh, we call the hospital and say, hey, tomorrow, okay, yeah, eight, all right, we'll be there. And we prayed. We wake up the next morning, I just reach across the bed, I grab her hand and we prayed. Okay, God, we got to grab the bags, and we're going to get in the car. We get in the car, everything's in there, we stop, and we go, God, just help us get from here to the hospital, and we pray about halfway there, God, we're halfway to the hospital, could you just carry us the rest of the way? We parked the car, God, we're we're here, can you just get us through the check-in process? And we prayed, and then we go, God, can you just get us through the check-in process and into the room, and we get into the room, and we prayed, the contractions, she's hooked up to all the equipment, the nurse leaves, we pray, and the contractions get closer, we say, okay, it's about time, and we pray, and we prayed through the whole thing, and then it was incredible. It was one of the most frightening events in my life and it happened with ease. Now, you guys are quicker. I'm a slow learner spiritually. And so I remember going to friends. I'm like, no, you guys, you were not. It was the weirdest thing happened. Craziest thing, totally unheard of. We like prayed and it it was just, it just went so well. I don't know, there might be something to this. I'm like, no, 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 We, we were like just praying little by little and we prayed all along the way. And the craziest thing happened, it was like, Somebody was there with us. What happened? It was the moment we realized that private prayer leads to public power. Can I just ask you a question about your new year? Do you have anything coming up this year where you need a power that's greater than your own? Do you have any conversations you have to have this year where you need something in you that's bigger than you? Do you have any family dynamics? This thing's been in the household, you know, for for years now, and this thing's got to go. This year it gets evicted, but you've tried to send it a few times on your own strength, and now it's trying to try something new where you get a new strength. Do you have something like that? Do you have some demons you're trying to outrun, and you've tried outrunning them only to find out they're faster than you, and you need a speed and a strength that's greater than you? need to pray first. I think the disciples observed that prayer, a life of prayer, number two, blurs the lines between heaven and earth. There was a miraculous rhythm to the life of Jesus. I prefer the word extraordinary because that's just what it was. Jesus's life was anything but ordinary. Five weeks in, the disciples wake up each morning around Jesus, they have no clue what's going to happen. Are we going to be in a boat and he's going to tell the weather what to do? Is somebody going to come in possessed by a demon and just scream and he's going to go, you done? What is it? And I want that. Guys, I'm unapologetically chasing a life that is extraordinary. Come on guys, who goes to the bank and you're in the line at the bank and it's waiting, and you're stuck, and then inevitably, what would I do if somebody ran in this place with a gun? And you start playing out the situation, and you're like, he'd go this way, if I hit him in the hand hard enough, the gun falls to the ground, triple roll, grab the gun, point it, don't worry y'all, I got this, he's the one. You know what that is in you? You have a craving for a life that is extraordinary. You know where you find it? I can tell you where Jesus found it. It was in a secret life of prayer. There's these scriptures. The disciples try and cast out this demon, and the demon is about as supernatural and extraordinary as you get They can't do it. Jesus comes. He casts a demon out of this person, and he says, Mark 9, 29. He replied, this kind of demon can only come out by prayer. You know that story with the fish and the loaves when Jesus feeds all those people? In Luke 9, it says, Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. And then what happened? He gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. His prayer blurred the lines between heaven and earth. I believe this can still happen today. And Jeremy. Jones, a other pastor here, led our staff team in this training on prayer. It was so powerful. I could tell you, it was December 16th. I could tell you the day. And he found this story uh, of a man named Frank Laubach, okay? I think we got a picture of Laubach up here. Keep going. It's the other picture. This guy. And I don't know if you've heard of Laubach before, but he was an American missionary. He did some wonderful things. He was actually, this is, so, this is how influential he was. His picture was put on a postage stamp. Because he was such a great missionary and help to the world in Jesus' name. He was a missionary in the Philippines. As a matter of fact, he established Bible colleges and schools there. If you came to faith in the Philippines, uh, somewhere around Manila or anywhere slightly south of there, there's a good chance your pastor was trained in one of the schools that Loblox started. He did so many things, but there's this journal entry in this story about him that begins on his 46th birthday and it says this. In his journal he writes, I no longer have a sense the life is all before me, as I had a few years ago. Some of it is behind, and a miserable poor part it is, so far below what I had dreamed that I dare not even think about. Nor dare I think much of the future. This present moment, if it is full of God, it's the only refuge I have from the poisonous disappointment and even almost rebellions against God I feel in my soul. And he sits in this depression and in this angst for two years. And he tried something different. In his journal, he writes, two years ago, a profound dissatisfaction led me to begin trying to line up my actions with the will of God about 15 minutes out of every hour. People said it was impossible. I judge from what I've heard that few people are really even trying it. But this year I've started out of. Uh, th- but this year I've started out to live all of my waking moments in conscious listening to the inner voice, asking without ceasing, "What Father do you desire for this minute?" It is clear that is exactly what Jesus was doing every day. He begins this experiment after two years of depression and angst. And he records what happened in him in his journal about 30 days later. This sense of cooperation with God in little things is what so astonished me. I need something and I turn around to find it waiting for me. I must work to be sure, but there's God working along with me. God takes care of all the rest. My part is to live this hour in conscious inner conversation with God and in perfect responsiveness to his will. And he makes every hour gloriously rich. Seems to be all I want to think about. Sixty days in, he writes, he goes, this experiment is interesting. Although I'm not very successful so far, the thought of God slips out of my mind, I suppose, two-thirds of every day, yet this thing keeps constant. Thought with God. It is the most amazing thing I've ever ran across. It's working. As I analyze myself, I find several things happening to me too as, a, as a result of these two months. This concentration upon God is strenuous, but everything else has ceased to be so. I think more f- clearly. I forget less frequently. Things which I did with strain before, I now do easily, and with no effort whatsoever. I worry about nothing. I lose no sleep. It is, it is, it is as if He's there. The universe is with me. My task is simple and clear. Nearly a year later in his journal, he has this writing and it says, it's difficult to convey to another the joy of having broken into the new sea of really realizing God's hereness. How I wish, I wish that a dozen more persons would try this and write their experience so that each would know what the other is finding as a result. The results, I think, would astound the world. At least the results of my own efforts are astounding me. What transformed him? A life of prayer blurred the lines between heaven and earth. Um, go to number three in your notes. Could you pull three up on the slides for me? Um, okay, here's the thing. I'm going to level with you guys. Uh, Number three in your notes, it reads, leads to you knowing God and God knowing you. Uh, I have to turn these outlines in on Wednesday, but God kept working on Thursday and Friday. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to lie. This is a number three bound down below is a better three. Okay, so I put this in here because some of you are filling the blanks, people. And you're going to have a conniption if I didn't tell you what those blanks were. So now that you can breathe, here's what I want you to write. You can just write down below there. Prayer leads to God's heart being formed in ours. Prayer leads to God's heart being formed in us. Jesus said this compelling thing in the book of John, verse 16. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen God, meaning His time with God shaped God in him so when people were around him, they were closer to God. I like that because that can happen in you and me today. You ever notice the crowds? There's all these crowds around Jesus, and it wasn't because they were simply looking for a free lunch all the time. People couldn't get enough of Jesus. Around church here, we've said before, people who are nothing like Jesus liked Jesus, Spiritual people like Jesus, sinners like Jesus. Young people like Jesus, older people like Jesus. All kinds of people wanted Jesus. Why? Because when they were by Jesus, they were felt like they were closer to God. Humanity has a craving for God in their souls. It manifests itself in so many broken ways, but make no mistake about it, we live in a world craving God, and they're counting on us to become godly so they can get a taste of what they're really looking for. That happens in us and through us when we're with Him. You ever notice you become like who you find yourself around? I ran around with a group of three other guys in college, and, and we, we we were we were thick as thieves. And and everywhere I went, they went. And road trips, and travel the world, and faraway places, and stories that you'll never hear, um, and, and all kinds of stuff. And and. People would be around us in that time in our lives, and they go, dude, when you say that, you sound just like them. You said that, for, dude, you guys have the same mannerisms. What was going on? We became like each other because we were around each other, and when you become like God, after the fact that you find yourself with him, Becoming godly is just a matter of spending time with him. And I'm just going to push you, okay? This is just if you want to put your scuba gear on and go to the deep end, okay? Honest thoughts coming. You don't have to do this. I'm just saying, if you want to go as far as you can in your walk, just trust me on this. Stick with me. There comes a time when your prayer life has to shift from what you want God to do for you to what you want to see God do in you. You want mature, okay, it's deep, this is deep, that was deep, that's deep. We want somebody to preach deep. You know what's deep? Being deep is stop looking at your situation and going, oh, God, would you remove them and pay that bill and do this thing and change that so I could just go skipping through? Deep is going, God, I'm in this thing. Could you build into me the things I need to flourish in this place? Sometimes you're looking, you're like, God, God, could you change this? Could you move that? Could you do this? Could you do that? God's like, I put that there because I want to shape in you things that you could never shape in yourself. Deep is going, God, would you do this in me? That's deep. You, how do you do that? Okay, here's what, here's what, I'm just a sold customer. As the month finished last year, I just started saying, God, give me your heart. We were pouring into Vista Square and I was over on that campus from time to time. Um, I would drive around and I would just say, God, give me your heart for these kids. I drive by our military bases now and I say, God, give me your heart for these people who are serving our nation. I would drive through that stupid Trader Joe's parking lot with not enough parking spaces and get honked at for God knows what. And I say, God, give me your heart Give me your heart for this community. It's changing me. This is just, this is just bonus. Okay, this, I don't think this was observed in the disciples, but I just got to tell you guys, we are a church that values family. Like our kids, our students, and your home life are one of our top priorities as a church. And this is a bonus note. Prayer is healing and redemptive in the home. Prayer is healing and redemptive in the home. If your home is bleeding, prayer can redeem that wound. If your home is in need of some redemption, like something happened to you, there's this conflict that keeps coming up, you've tried to live at peace, and your home is one of the least peaceful places in your life right now, prayer can change that in real ways. Some of you know our marriage story, Britt and I. Um, The first seven years of our marriage, uh, friction is an understatement. We both had one problem in our marriage and it's you need to change. And the conflict that came out of that, the problems that arose, the distance that was created between us, was terrible. And then one year, We said, whether we like each other or not, we will start our day by praying together. And it changed things. You got a kid, you got a problem child, you got somebody that you wish would get it. Pastor Mark Batterson said this great quote about prayer and parenting, he goes, you may not be a perfect parent, but you could be a praying parent. Prayer is healing and redemptive in the home. Oh boy, got like 40 more minutes. You could grub hub if you're gonna get hungry. I'm just kidding, I'll go fast. Here's the prayer problem. We're a lot like the disciples. You go to the prayer problem. Um, we all know prayer is a big deal. Oh man, uh, heaven and earth, count me in. Change, be like Jesus, count me in. I want to see miracles happen. I, I want all this Jesus stuff to happen in my life. I'm into that. Um, but but uh, uh, who feels good about their prayer life right now? You get about that much out of every church. You get about like 10% who are like, I feel pretty good about prayer. And then you get another chunk who's like, I don't get it. Then you get another chunk who's like, I get it, I want it, I don't know how to fit it into my life. I felt, when I first came to Christ, I was in the confused about prayer camp. Do you remember, did, did anybody else like me, I was a sinner, okay, the sinner with some extra ends in there, okay. And then I came to Christ, and then I'm around these people who know how to pray. Do you remember anybody was a sinner and then you got in the prayer circle for the first time? And you're like, oh no. Well, we got in the prayer circle, and it's scary, okay? All right, hey, listen, if you feel uncomfortable when, when prayer comes up, I'm your guy. I get you, okay? I get you're in the prayer circle, and I'm there and I'm new. And the first guy starts praying, and he's like, Lord, God with us, Yahweh Almighty, Emmanuel. He's got 10 names for God. I just know God. And then they're coming, we're praying in a circle. I'm not even listening to your prayer. I'm planning mine, right? I'm not trying to be embarrassed. And then the Christian squeeze came along. You know that, right? You give it, they pray, and then you just squeeze in the next person. And then I'd be in there. I'd be in there. And then the squeeze happens. I'll just just send it to this guy. And then he sent it back. I was like, no, (laughs) you pray. It was terrible because I didn't feel good at it, man. And then some of you, you got kids and you're like, you wake up with three monsters jumping on the bed. And they're like, what are we going to do today? You're like, survive. (laughs) And it's hard. You know what's so cool though? Jesus thought of that. He thought of that. There's notes. Number one, consider who you're praying to. Consider who you're praying to. I'll show you what Jesus said in response to this question in Luke 11 one day Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples he that's Jesus said to them when you pray say father we blow past this can you is there a verse after that one can we go there yeah we blow past this but this was one of the most controversial and revolutionary things Jesus ever said Because these were good Jewish boys. They knew Yahweh. You you look on him, you die. You touch the ark, you die. He lives in unapproachable light. And Jesus comes along and they say, God, hey, how do we pray? What, What should we do? And Jesus goes, oh, easy. Remember who you're talking to. Say father. Here's what I know about good fathers. They cherish any attempt their children make at relating to them. Good fathers savor any attempt their children make at relating to them. That's good news in 2020. That means you don't have a heavenly dictator. There is a heavenly father, and when you move towards him in relationship, he moves towards you, and he will start where you are at. Pray where you're at and pray what you got, and he can work with that. Number two, consider the prayer modeled for you. Consider what Jesus, do you know what Jesus said to these guys? This is, this, is, this is incredible. They talk to, this is Jesus, right? Okay, think on this. This is God in the flesh teaching us how to pray to God. So he came down and he said what he wants now let me just remind you. Some of us we don't pray because we don't have time. Could you go to my next slide for me, John? Um, this is crazy. Uh, can somebody? Can somebody time me? Who's got a phone out? Who's got a stopwatch? Don't be shy. All right, we're gonna have to work on this in church. You got me, Will? Thank you. All right, you got stopwatch. All right, I'm gonna say Father. You start it. Wait, wait, till I say. And then when I get to temptation, you stop it. I just we're doing an experiment together. All right, ready. Here we go. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. What we get? What? Thirteen. Thirteen seconds. Okay, can we just hold on to that? I love, I love when Jesus does something in 2,000 years ago, and it's just so relevant in 2,000 and 20 years later. 13 seconds. This is not a pastor trying to cut something into bite-sized pieces. And you, I'm not trying to contextualize. I'm telling you word for word what Jesus said, and it took 13 seconds. Too busy. Just give him your 13 seconds. I bet he'll work with that. 13 seconds. Seconds now. Let me just cut through the confusion and we'll go fast. I'm going to teach you how to pray. And there's this acronym P R A Y. This was taught to me about 12 years ago. Can I tell you something? I've done sermons on prayer. I've read books on prayer. Uh, I've done my best to have a prayer life of my own. And and this simple acronym that comes right out of Jesus's prayer is still what I use to pray to this day. It is simple and it works. Um, you begin with praise. Go to the next one for me. There you go. Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's he doing? He is beginning his prayer with praise. He is beginning by saying praise to God. And that is just take time to thank God and speak of his goodness to him. You just take a minute. God, you're big, and I'm not. You created all this. That is impressive. You made a lion. I couldn't make a lion. And I I don't want to be next to a lion. That is power. God, you must be powerful. And you just do that. If if you're stuck, you can go to the Psalms and steal a prayer. Or you can listen to a worship song you like and you can praise that way. But here's what it does. Beginning with praise puts God in his proper place. When you do this, it shapes the way you pray. When, When you have the discipline, instead of just going, oh, God, I'm in the gym. If you can start with praise, it will shape the rest of your prayer. Because you remember who you are praying to. You go, oh my gosh, Lord, you you are big and you create and the earth I'm standing on is flying through space right now and you did that. I think things are gonna be okay. And then you go in there and you went to God to pray about what Gina said at work and how it's on your last nerve. And then all of a sudden, Gina doesn't matter anymore. You upgrade your prayer request mid-prayer. You're like, God, you're created and all this stuff and Gina doesn't really matter anymore. Could you just get me in tune with what you're doing? It changes you. Do you repent? Jesus said, Forgive us our sins. You admit your faults to God, asking for growth and forgiveness. Repenting puts us in our proper place. What does that mean? Hear me carefully. I don't mean it puts you in your place as this victim who's beaten and sorry and Lord, if you could. No, your proper place if you are in Christ is a son or daughter of God. Your proper place if you are in Christ is completely forgiven and you repent, and you go, God, I still messed up, God, I had a great week this week, but here's what I know, I'm only making it into heaven, I'm only making it into your presence because of Jesus, not me. Thank you for Jesus, thank you for forgiveness, thank you for sending him down, and he paid the price, so I could be your son or your daughter, that changes things. You ask, give us this day our daily bread, Here's here's the best of my study on this in two sentences. Ask God for what you need for the day. And then ask like a child in line with God's will. If you you read all the other stuff Jesus says about asking God for something, um, ask God for what you need for the day. Ask like a child in line with God's will. Here's what I can tell you about asking like a child. My children do not hesitate to ask me for anything. Anything. God wants that in us he wants us in line with his will. Can I tell you something? God, please kill my ex-wife next month is not going to get answered because it's not in line with his will. Like a child in line with his will. Then finally you yield. Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done. Here's what you do. You put down the pen each day and allow God to write your story. This shows God that you trust him. Can I tell you something? There is so much in this world that God does not need our help with. He doesn't need our resources, our service. He doesn't need my sermons. One of the things God cannot get in this world for himself is our trust. I think he loves it when we show him that we trust in him. So you praise, repent, ask you. now. I'm going to ask you to do something crazy. And and I'm unapologetically challenging you today. You have work to do today. And as a community, I want us to take this whole week and set it aside for prayer and fasting. This is this um, Pray First 2020. This is a challenge for the whole church. And you're going to have to get to work on it today so we can all start tomorrow morning. Here's what it is. One, I want you to watch a fasting video in your Momentum app. So right now, um, there, there, if you opened your app, you would see Pray First, it would be the same picture as this. You click it, there's a video that explains what fasting is. Uh, my favorite college professor, a theologian came in and I talked with him, had a conversation about fasting. It's in your Momentum app and I want you to watch that. Secondly, I want you to choose what you will fast from. It, it, it boils down to one of the, be- the best things to fast from are the things you lean on to get through a week. What do you lean on to get through a week? Is it your phone, your social media? Is it coffee? Is it whatever the heck it is for you? Pick something that you lean on and essentially decide you're going to go without it. Why? Number three, so you can pray when you crave. You take those cravings from what you've given up Each time you crave, you pray first and you declare that you need God more than whatever it is you're fasting from. How are we gonna pray? It's on this card, I want you to take this and put it where you're gonna see it this week. P-R-A-Y, you pray. And then here's the other one and this is really, really powerful and I can't do this without you. I want us together to all have one prayer where we're praying the same thing over this year. And it's at the bottom of this card. God, give us your heart for our city and give us great boldness to love those around us well. Do you catch that? We're gonna fast. When we crave, we'll pray. P-R-A-Y. And we will take time together over this year to say, God, give us your heart for our city and give us great boldness to love those around us well. You get an email with the reminder and all the instructions. You have the video in your app. The only thing left for us is to do it. I need your help as I finish. Guys, we made it. We're we're about done. Um, You're going to help me out as we finish, and then we're going to pray together. Um, What I need you to do right now is go ahead and stand up. This is only going to work. I'm going out on a limb. Hey, I'm shooting my shot in 2020. I just need you to know. This is only going to work if you go in with me. John, could you go to the next one? We're going to have a series of words up there. So lean, get over, whatever. Get some air in your lungs. And, and when I get to the yellow, you're going to say it with me, all right? So this, this one's a practice. Don't worry. When we say pray first, you go pray first. Okay, not Pray first. Pray first. Okay, so this is a practice. We want to put God first this year, so we are going to pray first. All right, that's good. And we'll do that one, and we're going to get louder and more intense as we go. Ready? We want to put God first this year, so we're going to. Pray Pray first. Private prayer leads to public power, so we are going to. Pray first. A life of prayer blurs the lines between heaven and earth, so we will. Pray first. Prayer leads to God's heart being formed in ours, so we will. Prayer can heal a home that's broken or fractured. So we're going to? Faith first. Last one, you're fading. This is the last one, okay? Come on. This week, as one church, one family, following God with one heart, we are going to pray. Let's pray. God and Father, this year is yours. Our lives are yours. We need you. God, show up in our prayers. Build faith. Build faith in us. Bring life to us so we can bring it to the world around us. We love you. You are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys. We got a good year ahead of us. Let's go. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, and download the Momentum app from your app store. See you next week.